Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. Today, we'll be talking about ambient clinical voice. And be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 18 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So you know I'm addicted to this topic, but uh, I don't think you're quite as addicted as me, right? <laughs> you, you are. This is definitely a topic you are you have leaned into for the last little while. It's definitely something that uh, I know you're very, very, very positive on, and you love covering it. So this is like perfect a perfect topic for you today. Well, not just me. I mean, you look at our YouTube views; everyone's watching those videos. So I, <laughs> I think it's an important topic for the community. Which I guess maybe that's why I loved covering it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it is. It is a lot of fun. And well, so let's just dive right in, John. Like, what what do you think uh, the percentage of clinicians are actually going to adopt ambient clinical voice? It's a good question. So what's interesting is that I compare this to the EHR world or really the EMR world, <laughs> when it was the EMR world. And I look at that and I said, you know, when I first started writing about EMR, EMR and HIPAA for all those old school people, uh, you know, I started writing about it. At the time, the the feeling was, should we do EMR? Like, there, there was even the question, like, no, should we maybe just stay on paper? Should we do EMR? Does it, you know, does it even make sense? And then we saw this evolution that switched to, okay, yeah, I know we need to do EMR, but which one should we do it? And how should we do it? And how should we roll it out? And are they ready? And which one's the best, right? And then $36 million stimulus screwed the whole thing, right? Like, it, you know, just accelerated everything. And so, you know, but it was interesting. I, I think we're seeing the same thing happen with ambient clinical voice, where initially people were like, is this real? Like, should we really implement? Can it really solve the problem? And now people are like, oh, this does solve a problem. But their question is, which one should we implement? How should we implement it? What do I do it? So... In other words, I, I, yeah, this is a long preface to answer, but I think that we'll have 85% adoption of doctors using ambient clinical voice. Wow. I, I mean, I expected a high percentage, so that that's that's pretty high, but it's hard to argue uh, against that. Um, I think actually 98% of clinicians want it, will want this technology. <laughs> that's interesting. But I think... I think adoption will be closer to 75%, a little bit lower, I, I, only because I think of affordability. Oh, so cost um, is going to be a problem. I think, yeah. I think cost initially is going to be an issue until a lot more EHR vendors bake it into the base product. I think for a lot of people, it's going to be an add-on that's going to cost. Um, and and I'm, you know, I'm just sort of generalizing. Some people have chosen not to, but but I think in general, it'll be an affordability question rather than a desire. Because I agree with you, when 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 docs see... What ambient clinical voice can do, it their, their eyes light up, right? Like they go, oh, okay, maybe maybe this can't do an order for me yet, or it can't do those kinds of things for me yet. But boy, taking that note and creating that little note for me, that's great. Like that's a big time saver for me. And so yeah, I mean, I, I've just seen too many positive reactions when people see the technology. 
Yeah. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, with all the ambient clinical voice vendors I've done, they, they, they basically say, we just do a demo. <laughs> we let the demo talk for itself. And that's when you know you have a good solution. It's when the demo can just speak for itself. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people look at it and say, well, what? why didn't voice recognition go further, right? And I look at that and I say, well, it wasn't a fully packaged product for what they wanted to do. It, you know, so it, it solved some problems, but it required a lot of customization and expertise and training and, uh, you know, you had to learn macros or, you know, other things to make it work. And, and if you did, you loved it, right? Like those that used voice effectively really loved it. But that's what I think makes ambient clinical voice special is they literally are like, just start talking and do the visit the way you do. In fact, one of the questions I asked all the vendors that I interviewed was, what does the doctor have to change? And the biggest thing they said was, you have to voice what you're thinking. So instead of just thinking, okay, I'm going to prescribe this to them, you have to voice it out loud to them. Or if you observe something on the knee or on the, you know, a rash or whatever, you just have to articulate that in, but with your voice. Because at least for now, although one, one vendor is like, maybe we can do something with computer vision, <laughs> but at least for now, it has to be voiced for most of the solutions uh, to be able to document it. And so, you know, if that's the only change is like start saying the things that you're seeing and thinking, that 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 that's beautiful versus you know voice recognition before which was like let me train you and it doesn't quite work and this doesn't do it it's not deeply integrated but you know so this is a massive change and super easy to implement for most people yeah i, I heard a, a great analogy you know it's it's almost like you have to pretend there's a resident in the room with you right and and, and you're teaching them yeah. right because that's naturally what you do you voice kind of your thinking process your thought process like so I heard somebody say, when you use ambient clinical voice, you got to just pretend that there's a resident in the room with you and you're teaching them. Uh, and then you'll kind of go into that mode of of voicing everything that you just said. Um, and I think that is the big difference, right? I think before uh, with, with voice um, systems, they were good, but you had to work hard at making them work for you. The, the, the draw of ambient clinical voice is just this ability to start talking. And have it generate some form of note, or some sometimes it's discrete entries. I think it depends on the vendor, but at least you get something really tangible and useful out of it that can, you know, the docs when they see it, they go, "Wow, this will really save me a lot of time." So, I, and I think, you know, for me, why I think the percentage is going to be so high is docs are now starting to ask the questions that show that they're really, really thinking about this from an implementation point of view as opposed to a feasibility point of view. They're now asking questions around. T tell me about the accuracy. When I when I start uh, talking about uh, medical, uh, sorry, um, medications, do you have like a library back there that is going to recognize what I'm saying? Like, so they're asking the questions not so much anymore around is this going to work for me. It's more like, okay, like does it have all these capabilities? Because I want to make sure that what I say and what is recorded is accurate. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting also is that. Every vendor pretty much said that by articulating what you're doing, it actually provides a better patient experience too. The patients love that they're getting this extra information about what the doctor's actually thinking. So I, I love that it actually is a, a patient-focused solution <laughs> that also benefits the doctor in a massive way. So, so John, you, you've seen a lot. You, you just mentioned you, you've interviewed a lot. You've seen a lot of these ambient clinical voice solutions. What what are some of the key uh, characteristics or factors that you think that will determine which vendors are successful in this ambient clinical voice space? 
Yeah. So when I look at it and I think through the, the interviews, I think everyone's going to get to 95%, 97% accuracy, right? Like it's just, that's going to be table stakes to even participate. Now, the, you know, we may see that play out a little different by specialty. Like I could see some specializing in mental health, which an hour visit is very different than a 15 minute visit. Right. And so there's a different way to, to process that and to do it. So maybe by specialty, we'll see different accuracy levels and people that want a certain vendor based on that specialty. I just did an interview with comprehend PT, which they're focused on just PT solutions and they do kind of have a different visit. It, it almost feels like a different one. And so, you know, maybe there's some specialty, but beyond that in most ambulatory, which is where everyone started so far, they're all going to be accurate. So, okay, that's not going to be a differentiator. I can't with my human mind comprehend what 95 versus 96% accuracy is. Yeah. There's a few mistakes I have to correct. And so then you say, what what else could be the factor that determines it? The number one for me is going to be EHR integration. How deeply do they integrate with the EHR to be able to put the data where it needs to be so that then the organization can benefit from the granular data? They can benefit from all of the details that you can do clinical decision support in real time to be able to understand what's going on. So like that is, you know, table stakes. And I don't think everyone's going to be equal there. Even if an EHR vendor says, hey, you all get access to the same API, not everyone's going to integrate it the same way. And the workflow to integrate that's going to be different for different people, how accurate they do it. Do they do pick lists? Do they do, do they integrate with templates? That's been an interesting trend with a bunch of them lately is not only do they integrate with the EHR and the fields and input the data, but they actually use the existing templates that people have created and, and smart, you know, whatever, right? The smart tech, smart, whatever EHR vendor calls it something different, right? They're integrating with that deeply, and that's going to change the experience that people are used to. Yeah, I, I agree with the EHR integration comment. I mean, I think as a vendor in the ambient clinical voice space, you can't just make a bunch of APIs available. I mean, you have to partner with the organizations that are adopting your solution and truly make it part of their system, not yours. Right? I, I don't want to I don't want to know essentially what e, what uh, ambient clinical voice solution I'm using. I just want to know it worked perfectly with my Greenway system or I want it works perfectly with Epic or it works perfectly with with my Cerner system. Like that's what you really want out of it. That is a doc using it. And you're right, I don't think people are going to be able to differentiate based on based on accuracy because I don't think we can tell the difference. I would add though that I think one aspect that's sort of non-technical, I think is is really for vendors to be successful in this space, I think they have to be very transparent. And, and what I mean by that is not transparent in terms of like your algorithm of how you're doing it, but the fact that maybe you are using um, you know, the US Pharmacopeia medication list as part of your training of your AI, or this is how you trained your AI, right? Like and and here's your roadmap for what you're going to be doing with ambient clinical voice over time. Uh, that it's going to one day allow you to to do an order through it and not just do uh, an amp, you know, not just create a note. Like I think knowing that will help uh, cement your clients in terms of using it because no one wants to use. Oh, hey, this is great for taking a note, but then it never evolves from that, right? Yeah. And meanwhile, you're po you're looking over at the other side, going, "Hey, well, those guys can now order medications through this. How come you can't do that yet? Where is that on your roadmap?" So I think transparency is going to be a key differentiator in terms of who's going to be successful in this space and who isn't. 
Yeah, I'm not even sure how they do that. It would be interesting to think about how can you be transparent about your training? Does that give it away to the competition? I don't know. There's a lot of interesting questions there. Uh, you know, the other thing, you know, just back to the point of integration, many do copy and paste right now. And th- that's just going to be a no-go. That, <laughs> I, I, that, that's not going to last, right? Uh, you know, uh, interestingly, Augmetics and I, I think even Speak uh, with their scribes, they could actually, right? They could do copy and paste because they have the scribe do it on the back end. Now, then it comes the question of cost and other things, right? Uh, so it's interesting that how they're approaching it kind of in a unique way. Let's let the scribe be the interface with the EHR, and then you get the really granular data because we're just presenting the scribe with the data they're copy and pasting. So that, that's an interesting way to, to kind of solve that integration problem with a human. We'll see if it lasts. I, I don't think it will long-term, although there is interesting, you know, if if you're at 97%, can the scribe get you to 100, right? Uh, if so, then maybe someone does want the white glove service, right? So I think that's interesting to think about. Um, you know, for me, when you look at other integration points, you know, somewhat it goes to transparency when it comes to privacy. So mm-hmm. Nabla's definitely, you know, laid the groundwork here. Uh, you know, full disclosure, they're a sponsor of ours, but the, you know, they come from a European perspective. So they're not storing any of the data that they use for it. And so, you know, is that going to be a hindrance for them or is it going to be a benefit? Because certainly if they stored it, they would, you know, and they even, I think, said this to me, they they were like, we could do better if we could store it. <laughs> you know, like, we, you know, we, but they said, we also don't think it's necessary. We, we think we can get there without storing it. Um, but it's interesting that they've chosen not to store the data, whereas many others, I think, are to train their models. And so will that privacy become an important element in the decision of who they work with? and Or will everyone be pushed to the, hey, we're not storing data because provider organizations are like, I don't want you storing my data. So that, that would be another potential potential differentiator. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we're discussing John's favorite topic, ambient clinical voice. And hey, if you want your company, product, or executive to be heard at the upcoming Vive or HIMSS conferences, well, Healthcare IT Today can help. We can help you cut through the noise at these large events and make sure that your stories are seen and heard by the most important people in health IT. Reach out to us via our Contact Us page at healthcareittoday.com. And don't delay, the spring conference season is just around the corner. Can you believe it is like seven weeks till (laughs) we record this a little earlier, but man... Coming quick. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's going to be upon us before we can blink. It's going to feel like we're right in the crunch of the spring conference season, which I'm excited about, by the way. But uh, yeah, we love so, it. <laughs> so, John, let me ask uh, this question of you: Like, do you think ambient clinical voice is going to evolve beyond just doing documentation? It will to becoming more of an AI assistant, like more of a two-way uh, thing, or do you think that's going to be stuck where it is uh, now? Yeah, I think this is an interesting thing because potentially it's a point of differentiation. Uh, we've already seen this in some respects. Uh, you know, I think Suki may be the leader in this regard as far because they have an app with their <laughs> documentation and you can do it in the app. You can push it to the EHR. You can do both. You can, you know, they, they have that facilitated. You can ask the app like a true AI assistant. So they've proven them that, hey, this is possible and that you know we can do some of these 
things. The question is who else will follow and will they have to? My prediction is, you know, since we're at the beginning of the year, we'll finish a few more predictions. (laughs) But my prediction with this is that it will be necessary. You're going to need this as a true AI assistant for both documentation, but also for access to the information. And it just makes sense to do that. If you're already using the application to do your documentation, do you want to switch to the EHR to pull up some lab results? Or is it easier to just say, hey, what are the last three lab results for Colin? And can you do it on a chart? (laughs) And the, the generative AI is available to be able to do this. And most EHR vendors are layering some sort of summarization or access to labs, uh, you know, medications, or even a summary of the health history, et cetera. So I think that they're going to be able to do that. And it's going to push where, you know, you can't just do the documentation. You need to do it as a full assistant. Yeah, it's it's really interesting question. I, I think Definitely in phase one of ambient clinical voice, it's all about documentation, right? Creating the note. And, and that's frankly probably the one of the, the best ROIs, right? Clinicians look at that and go, thank you for helping me for that. Yep. That is such a big problem. So not surprisingly, everyone's focused there. And I think that's a good place to start. But I agree with you, John. It, it, I really do think that over time, it has to be more than that. Otherwise, you are going to get left behind. And and you just mentioned what I see as phase two, which is the retrieval of information. And that doesn't have to mean that the voice assistant actually speaks it to you, although it probably could. That's pretty easy. But it's more like, hey, display for me on the screen the last lab result. Show me the list of medications. Like it's simple commands like that that you go, well, instead of using uh, my keyboard and mouse to navigate, why not, why not just use the ambient clinical voice to navigate? Right. And that way, that way the AI is not actually doing any interpretation for you. It's just sort of, okay, I'll display this for you and I'll bring up the last this or that. And I think that to me is a very simple space too. And something naturally that if you're already talking to the ambient space, you would go, well, computer, do this for me. Right. Like, uh, I think that's the natural progression. Where, where I do think though, where I'm not sure everyone will go is that third step, which is, um, the ordering, the discrete information, like getting to that step where it knows, oh, you just mentioned a medication. Maybe I should stick that in this field for you, right? Or, hey, you know, I'm, I'm hearing an order. Let me let me do all these 19 other steps to actually process that order. And all you have to do at the end of the day is click the button and say, yes, this looks correct. Like that is going to be a lot longer. And I think actually clinicians are a little more, little less, little resistant to getting there right away. So. Mm, that's interesting. I, I think they're going to do that, but it, you know, they're already starting down that. Most of them are using, you know, Loink and Snowmed and all that to map all of all of the, you know, what they're saying to the orders, and uh, they're still going to approve it. It's still Copilot, right? You know, we've talked about Copilot before in AI. You know, it's still going to be approved by the doctor, similar to a scribe. When you had a scribe, you had to go in and approve it as well. So it's similar that way. But I actually love the idea that, you know, as you were talking about kind of retrieving the data, now imagine your smartphone is linked to, you know, the LG screen or the Samsung screen, right? right. I think Samsung even has a product that lets you mirror your your phone onto the TV, right? Uh, you know, most of them have stuff like that. So, you know, put it up on the LG TV and, you know, <laughs> and, you know then the patient sees the, the last three lab results with you and you kind of navigate it. It together uh that that's a powerful thing yeah we were writing about this decade ago with you know some doctors who were doing that with their ehr and pulling up the information right in front of the patient so like now that would be really cool to have the ambient voice do that on the tv and most 
uh, most rooms now have a TV in it. And so, you know, this is a reasonable thing to do. Um, I think, you know, I would actually make this prediction that, you know, another step forward in this, you know, it, what it means, if you integrate a full AI assistant into the application, why does the doctor even need to go to the EHR? Like if all my documentation happens in the system in, in the, with the ambient clinical voice and I can search any data from the, there and say, give me the last five appointments. When are the next two appointments? What else could be scheduled, right? Like if we, if we get that far, then the ambient clinical voice becomes the interface for the doctor. The doctor is going to go and say, hey, do you have the ambient clinical voice? They're not going to care if you're using Epic or Cerner or Meditech in the back end, right? They're going to just want it to make sure that their ambient clinical voice works with yours. So it's interesting. This could potentially become the interface of clinicians. No, you're absolutely right. I think that would be the dream of a lot of vendors and a lot of clinicians, right? Like to not even have to go to the keyboard or mouse. Uh, and well, just then you have like voice. eClinical Works that has their own ambient clinical voice, Oracle Health, you know, with Cerner. They have their own, you know, and so like, I guess they're still owning that, but other EHR vendors may not. <laughs> Yeah, and and that whole voice interface is kind of what Nuance is working on, right? With their DAX Copilot system and some of the new things that they're coming out with their APIs and the ecosystem that they're trying to build. I mean, they're even partnering with what I'll call it pseudo competitors, other AI clinical ambient clinical voice uh, makers, because they want to bring them all under and use the the Nuance slash Microsoft umbrella of technologies. Um, and so, you know, they were demoing that at RSNA and a, a few other places that I've seen them recently, and it's pretty incredible uh, the breadth of technologies that they're now able to bring G going to what you just said john like an actual voice interface as opposed to just an interface to do documentation so that'll be exciting to watch over the next little bit yeah well but, then all the clinical decision support vendors have to be there too if that's your exactly. interface so that changes a lot of things <laughs> well and that's and that's essentially the 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 ecosystem that nuance is trying to build they're saying look it's not just about the voice side or even the AI side, it's all of these other things that the, the, the decision support stuff that you just mentioned, the order entry. Notifications. <laughs> yeah. Like all of that should be integrated. And and how do you do that through a voice system, right? It's not as simple as just coding a macro, right? Like a lot of thought has gone into it. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what, what those guys uh, come up with in the next couple of years. But, but maybe to, to flip the question around a little bit, John, like if I was an EHR vendor, like what would you recommend for me to start with ambient clinical voice, like what, what is what does this mean for them? Yeah, it's a hard question because if you're Epic, it's very different than if you're Athena Health, right? Or an ambulatory versus an acute care versus you know a large company versus a smaller one, you know. Because if you're the Epic concerner and Meditics of the world, you kind of need an open an open ecosystem that supports whoever wants to come. The question is, if you do that, does it hurt how deeply you can integrate all of those, you know, products? And then do you hurt on the back end if one of them implements it poorly? And then now it's a reflection of you that it was implemented poorly. So I think that's the thing that all of them are struggling with. You know, on the other end, you have NextGen who partnered and white labeled, you know, a, a ambient clinical voice solution. I think NextGen assists uh, something like that, you know where it's like, hey, we're going all in with this one. 
And then we just have to integrate and deeply integrate with the one. Of course, ECW developed their own Suno AI. So you know, they're going to be deeply integrated with that. Although it's kind of launched similar to their Hilo product where Suno AI could work with any HR vendor. We'll see who who, who takes them up on that. But you know, I, anyway, so I, I don't know. I think it depends on your size. You know, if I'm a PT vendor, it makes sense to go to the PT specific one because sometimes they have visits that are one hour visits or half hour visits that need to be documented a certain way. And sometimes they're seeing multiple visits at the same time. How does ambient clinical voice do that? Right. Like there's some nuances that are, are important there. Uh, and we haven't even talked about acute care. Right. I, I think Suki's the only one that I've seen announce, uh, you know, one for nurses in the hospital which is obviously a bit similar to the PT has a very different flow. Uh, you know, my guess is that most EHR vendors are going to say, here's our top three, here's some APIs if others want to integrate. And some are saying, we don't even need an API. We're just going to do a Chrome extension on top of your, your browser, your web-based, and we're just going to integrate that way. So, uh, you, know, the, you know, the EHR vendor may not choose <laughs> how they, they integrate with the ambient clinical voice if you're just doing a Chrome extension or some sort of filling out the form in the in the actual EHR. So uh, it's a hard choice, but... Uh, and it's also hard because you got to choose the winner, right? Who's going to be the best clinical voice vendor? That that's a hard thing to look at right now. Yeah, my advice to an EHR vendor, first of all, is if you haven't jumped on the bandwagon, get on it. You know, I think your clients are going to want something in this world, and they're going to want an ambient clinical voice solution like fairly soon in 2024. And so you better have a partner or at least some plans around it. So I would say that's recommendation number one. Recommendation number two goes along with what you just said. You know, if you're worried about picking a winner, uh, then just make sure that whatever uh, tool and the way you integrate any of these tools is uh, modular enough and and componentized enough where you can replace it without too much hassle, right? Because you do want to have that deep integration, like you like you just mentioned. That is going to be one of the differentiators for who does succeed generally with ambient clinical voice, but. Um, you also want to make sure that hey, if you if you pick the wrong ver, uh, wrong one this year, and three years from now you need a new ambient clinical voice tool, well then hopefully you built it in a way where it's easy to replace that. You're not having to rewrite your entire product, right? So that would be my other. But but I I would I would say John I wouldn't be worried too much about sort of trying to predict who's going to be the winner or not. Like I would choose a reputable vendor. We've mentioned a bunch on this episode already. Choose one of them and go with it because I, I think you're just going to lose out if you leave it to the open market or leave it to your clients to decide which one they want to adopt. Because then you're going to be forced to integrate with whatever they chose, right? And that's not a great way to, to succeed as an EHR vendor. You should be ahead of it. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for... For you know, imagine this scenario: an EHR vendor chooses not to integrate ambient clinical voice. Right? They just think, nope, it's not going to get there. And by the way, you know, there's a chance we're wrong. Like, I think all the signs and the the experiences tell me that hey, this is going to be successful. But if we end up at 25 percent adoption, then you know, maybe maybe the EHR vendors know more than us, right? Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But assuming it does get to that 75% level where most doctors want it, 
Can you imagine being an EHR that didn't integrate it? Right. Uh, obviously, you'd be a fast follower and you'd integrate it, and you know your your patients would have to suffer until you do. But I mean that you know it's hard to imagine EHR switching these days. You know it happens occasionally with contracts. It happens occasionally when they get bought out. But like most people are like not worth it to switch. I think Ambient Clinical Voice, if it lives up to what it's saying and it integrates in a deep way and becomes that interface that doctors love. That would be reason enough to leave an old EHR that doesn't want to adopt it or that doesn't integrate it deeply. So, you know, it's like that, that is the bet that you're making if you're saying, hey, this isn't real. Uh, you know, that 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 feels like it would be enough to have someone switch potentially. I totally agree. I, I you know, like just final thought here, John. I liken it to what's happened with the patient reminders, patient communication space, right? There are a lot of standalone vendors that used to be where, that were totally independent of any EHR. But as you've just said, where the true value and differentiators come in is where those tools are now being fully integrated into EHR. That's when people find the most value out of it. The same thing is going to happen and is already happening with the MA clinical voice. So that's just definitely the way to go. Yeah. Anyways, hey. We've come to an end of another episode of Healthcare IT Today. And thanks to all of you who tuned in. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page at healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hong, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.